Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. That's it. Welcome to New Polities Podcast, the Christmas special. The Christmas special. The special refers to you. You're special this Christmas. There you go. If your mom hadn't already told you, Mark now has. That's right. (laughs) You know what I've been thinking a lot about this Christmas? What have you been thinking about, Mark? Children. No, really? Not because I have them, but because Christ comes the child. Yeah. It's incredible. Because when you think about children, what makes them so interesting, their kind of vocation in life, seems to be that they provide concretization to human institutions. Right? So what I mean is, they always miss the beginning of things. So the child is the only member of a marriage that wasn't at the wedding, right? <laughs> and uh, and so when they look at you and your wife, they don't see something that even has a speckle of contingency about it, right? Because there was no prior time in which you guys weren't a stalwart institution. That's right. You and, are the bulwark. Yeah, yeah. You're mm-hmm. like you're like a natural. You're like a, a rock or a, or a, a, a nice tree. Like it has the appearance, the institution, which is free and creative and chosen and, and remarkable in that sense for the child is necessary and natural speaking this way. And sometimes it's easy to think of the child being wrong, right? So like, you know, your child, he looks out, he sees the highway and he gives it the same natural necessity as he does like the field next to the highway. Right. right? Yes. He just and accepts so it as a given. Yeah. Both are just primordial. Yeah. They're there, you know? Uh, and so you might think of education as this kind of correction of the child who is born in the wrong. So you say, actually, now that you are a man, my three-year-old, you can distinguish between artifice and nature, the works of man and the works of God, etc. Yep. But in another sense, the child is obviously born in the right because... What God has brought together, let no man asunder. And unfortunately, this applies even to our highway building, right? Because the single act of creation. No, I think we should make it asunder. Well, okay. <laughs> but to the, in the eyes of the child, right, who sees the highway in the field with an equiprimordality. Nice. Words. He is seeing them as part of one single act of creation. And insofar as that's the case, he's quite correct. Mm. Because when God made the world, he made it with us in mind and somehow mysteriously his singular act of creation this great gift includes our free choices as i was gonna say part but as like the shape of creation itself right so it's not like god creates a sort of fundament of nature he's like here's a world and then you guys get to do stuff in it as if for god these are surprises to him like oh look what they did with that look what they did with this mm. you know we can speak in that way and i think it's good too because it shows his fatherliness and the fact that you know, like in the book of Genesis, it says that God gave the animals for Adam to name in order to see what he would name them. Yeah. It's just delightful, <laughs> you know, but you can't really surprise God, you know. What did you call that one? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a paradox, right? Because you have both freedom and necessity in this kind of synthesis. Like I go and I act, but at the same time, God's creation always already, to use a sort of postmodern, uh, you know, trope always already contained my free action. Like when he created the world, he created it with me in it, doing the things that I do. So so human life, human existence, is always this feeling of um, 
freely acting, but only because you're first given the providential order mm. in which you act. So it's just you know, you're you're giving and receiving. It's freedom and necessity. It's it's you know, okay. So the child though is marvelous because he actually provides that correct view of the singular act of creation. The child who looks upon the highway and says, yeah, this is really part of the world, is not wrong. And in fact, that's why we should be so worried when we make highways. It's like we're not like extrinsically adding something that doesn't really have to do with the creation. You know, We are actually shaping the singular act of creation in our freedom, our mysterious freedom. And so the child's quite right. That should scare us. Yeah, I feel scared. There's more here. beautiful. There's more beautiful examples like the marriage, right? Like the child is the one who shows us the indissolubility of the marriage, precisely because he can't see it otherwise. Mm. You know, like when 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 you marry, why does why does why does marriage produce children? Well, one of the things that seems obvious is it's like when you say yes to the child, you're saying yes to a view of your marriage that can't but see the thing as natural. So it's not just incidental that marriage has children, it's that it affirms itself, right? And there's a danger here, right? You don't want to like make a marriage work by having another kid, right? That's not quite the idea. But it is the case that the kids provide to your adult view the necessity, even while you, in your experience, provided the contingency. And and in that you kind of have a it's like we, we want to say human beings know things. But we're social animals, so I think we actually know things like marriages and highways and trees in the world as a society. Like, you need the consciousness of the child who delivers this sort of almost godly view of the thing as being part, a necessary part of the singular creation, mm-hmm, made mm-hmm. natural. Yeah. And then you need the... Working uh, out of providence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then you also need the consciousness of the adult who sees the thing yeah. as free, mm-hmm. creative, artifice. Yep. And so... What, who knows the thing itself? Well, it's not any, it's not you and it's not your child, but the family knows, has a familial knowledge of creation as both nature and artifice, right? right. You know the transcendence of nature and artifice like for each other as a family. You don't get to know it as an individual. You, you, you know, the child looks at your marriage, sees it as natural, and you learn from the child about an indissolubility that's real, even as you teach him about a contingency that's real. Like, yeah, once you weren't, around man and i married your mom because i thought she was pretty could could have married anybody but she's the one so so you teach each other about these two aspects of the single mystery of creation that's really nice so we actually have a paradox that god has pedagogically enabled us to better understand totally that's what children are for man i love children yeah i mean uh, people talk about children as if they're like for the um continuation of the species like you need children because you need more adults no you have children so that they teach you about god and reality yeah, yeah i think yeah. so because you have to you have to have an argument about why sense. kids exist without death like so mm. when before the fall adam was was uh without without sin and there and there wasn't this specter of scarcity and death that informed their acts of reproduction or not even reproduction their acts of procreation you have to ask like when he and eve talked to each other like hey should we have a kid why they wanted it. You have to be able to say, I mean, Aquinas says, well, the reason they had children was for the multiplication of the individual as opposed to the preservation of the species, right? Because there's no species to be preserved. God preserved us. Hmm. And so somehow you have to have an understanding of the child that, that isn't afflicted by the fall. Like when Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, decided to have a child, what were they deciding about? 
that it would be very good to have a child, but why? They're not scared they're going to die. There's no sense of like, you know, I need something to live beyond me and posterity. There's none of that fear, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why, yeah. So, so it seems to me like saying that there's something that the child um, tells you about God. And it's not just like, it's not just the trite things of like the, the, uh, the cuteness, the cuteness of God. <laughs> I don't think God is cute. <laughs> you don't think so? I think he's cute. But it's Christmas, and so Christ comes as a child. Yeah, you know. Why? To show us the Father. Yeah. And I think this is something beautiful because there, there, it, it's not, there is a sense in which every child shows us the Father. Precisely because through knowing as the child knows, by allowing, allowing the way the child knows to sort of reflect as if, you know, talk about the son as a mirror of the father. But I think that should be taken more literally, like not just as a mirror, like it's a copy, but in the sense of when you look at the child, your image bounces back, but differently. And it seems to me when we look at children, especially when we look at the Christ child, what we're seeing is, is a revelation of God as the creator of all, as the giver of all because they can't help but see the whole world otherwise. That child mm. doesn't get to say, you know, that some of it's artifice and some of it's nature, that some of it is contingent and some of it's free. It, like, just sees the act of creation. And when we get to see that, then we, I think, become more alarmed about our sins, which actually deform creation, mm -hmm. um, and we become more gracious about, about what's good. And so I think Christ, in becoming a child, is actually fulfilling perfectly what every child anticipates in being born, namely the presence of God on earth. Like there's a way you could say every child is, mm. I mean, we talk about, sorry, I'm, 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 Do I'm, it. I'm keep I'm, going, keep going. We talk about children like this, don't we? Like, like, you know, people that, people that do wicked things might be totally calloused to every argument against their wickedness, right? Mm -hmm. You could say something to the effect of like, Hey, it'll hurt you. Eh, whatever. Hey, it's hurting other people. Who cares about the other people? But, hey, it offends God. They don't even care, right? But, not in front of the kids, man. <laughs> that, no, it's true. Like, that that's the so last, right. like, there's, yeah. two, there's two people that even the most hardened criminals won't curse in front of, priests and children. Why? Well, both are, in some ways, imago, or uh, uh, in persona yeah. Christi, <laughs> ah. right? There's the, the, you, don't, you don't curse in front of God and the child, and you don't curse in front of God and, and the priest, because... No matter how wicked you are, you can still understand that there's a, a presence of innocence there that's divine. Yeah. Now, I usually thought of this before thinking about Christmas more as just like um, because the child is without sin or something like that. They mm -hmm. haven't actually mm -hmm. sinned yet. Mm -hmm. They're sort of innocent. Uh, and the other thing we do is when children look at us at a young age, people will just spontaneously say like, oh, I feel like he's looking into my soul. You know, yeah, like that's nervous. true. I do. I do get nervous, especially yeah. Leo, my youngest. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he a just penetrating. Right yeah, in. yeah. <laughs> he gives you the weird eyebrows that go along with his eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's usually when he's mm -hmm. when he's doing a little poop. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that so we have a, a spontaneous sense that the child delivers the presence of God because God's the one whose gaze makes us totally, uh, you know, they're seeing my soul, right? Yeah, that's, that's the the last wow. judgment. I think that is the last judgment is that we actually are judged by the infant Christ who just looks at us. And that's yes. what Christmas is. It's a judgment on the world, but it's not. Which is all those, I, you know, the, all the icons and stuff of Jesus, you know, with his, mm. his little baby holding up his two little hands and looking straight at you. And you're yeah. just like, oh man, I'm yeah. screwed. That baby 
It knows me. De- yeah. Death by baby. Death by baby. Yeah. Which is, of course, also the natural experience of parenthood is that you get killed by a baby. <laughs> One night at a time. I'm just saying, nature is always fulfilled in, in, in grace. And so when we look at what's natural, so, so, okay, so Christ comes, he comes as a child, and there's already this pre-revelatory knowledge that the human race has that children are the presence of God. Mm. We through them our works are revealed as actually part of the singular singular act of creation. Uh and their merit is revealed as such, right? Because I think I think what it is, it's not that the child is like just act, like without actual sin, right? That's not sufficient because the gaze is what afflicts us, mm-hmm. like the child who stares at us. And I, I was thinking about what, what is that? I think it's because precisely because the child cannot distinguish um, your good acts and your evil acts, your the, the things that you're doing because you kind of have to and you feel um, constrained by the world and the things that you're doing because you're free to child doesn't bring all these justifications and distinctions to bear to bear he sees you and this is through ignorance right so this isn't like a achievement of the child this is just the fact that he's kind of a you know just sitting taking it all in uh the the child just sees you as you are in a real way it doesn't you know it doesn't understand that the reason you work your job is because you have to Mm. Uh, and really you'd rather not participate in that particular practice, but, uh, you know, you got to make money for the family. And so you're kind of, they, they just see it. They provide to it the view that, that God will have of us at the last judgment, yeah. which, which our works will be our works and our justifications, they won't matter. I mean, they, they will <laughs> insofar as they describe a reality, but we will stand naked as it were before the divine gaze and all of our excuses, all of our... I think it's um, mainly that. It's not so much yeah, justifications, our justifications, yeah. but really our excuses, the things that we call justifications, yeah. when really we're just lying to ourselves. And the child yeah. just sees beyond the lies. Yeah, because he sees it not as not even t- with the reference point of the lie. He just sees everything as a single act of creation. It's right. just, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and which is what's so scary about, about the raising of children, which is that they are immediately used to anything like it takes a while like if you have a home full of anger and violence it's the 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 kind of sort of um what's the word like sentimental view is that well this is really bad because it's dangerous for the child and the child has Mm. you know it's going to upset the child yeah but in actual fact i think the real wickedness of it all is that it will be the world to the child there's not this like other world that the child compares it to and then deems this one lacking Mm -hmm. the problem with sin and the reason we don't do it in front of kids even when we're really quite quite gone and debased is because the child is the one for whom sin creates a complete world um they have to learn that it's not normal for instance and and thank god that we're not just children right because this is part of maturity and wisdom you grow and then you you can actually discern the good and the evil but it's very important, I think, to, to say that initial glance of the child is simply looking at the world that yeah. you're offering them as the world. And they're right. This right. is the world you've made. When that, that also is really helpful when looking at Genesis. 
Yeah. When Adam and Eve, sure, they're like created as adults, we figure. Yeah, yeah. And yet they're given the eyes of a child. Yeah. They've not yet eaten from the, no- oh, the tree of yeah, the knowledge yeah, yeah. of good right. and evil. They yeah. are given this this divine gift of seeing as a child yeah. once again. And that is the first glimpse of reality, totally. truly as it's given. Totally. And, yeah. and I, I think that's kind of why Eve is as a child to Adam. So mm. this is obvious in the in the literary form that she's born out of his side. Right, yeah. Like out of the womb yeah. of Adam. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it's and I think that can kind of be creepy to people. It's like, what's going on there? And I think that's fair. Like that's a little mysterious. And you can never forget its origins in you as a decision, which is to say I could have done otherwise. Mm. So the cow to the person without the child, without the consciousness of the child, appears uh, dissoluble. Maybe we shouldn't call the cow. Okay, but then Eve is given to Adam, and Adam is the first thing she sees in the world. And all the fathers are clear on this. Adam's part of Adam's um, vocation was to, you know, they say, give the law to Eve. But if you've been following Neupolity for a while, you'll probably know that we, that doesn't just mean the law of the garden. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean just like the do's and don'ts. It yeah. means the world. Like I, I have been following Neupolity. And wow. you, so you know. Yeah, yeah I do know. <laughs> That law obviously includes all um, all the ways in which we structure the given creation to appear. So, you know, right now, like when we speak to you listening to the podcast, we are giving a law. We are saying the world should appear this way to you. And you and listening, receiving our words, are being obedient. And if you were happen to be here to speak to us, then we would switch positions. So we've discussed this sort of thing before, but it's just obvious that, that Adam gives the cow to Eve as the named thing now Mm -hmm. but eve doesn't say concerning adam's name like oh interesting choice there adam you know (laughs) presumably that would have crushed him um but she receives it as the natural world so adam receives the trees of the garden already arranged by god and eve receives the animals of the garden already named by adam and in both cases the person is as child to father, mm-hmm. not in the sense of like simple weakness where it's like, well, you, they just have to receive because they're ignorant. And this is really important. It's an enabling weakness. Like the fact that Eve can receive the word as being natural to the thing means that Adam's naming is genuinely possible. And this is, I think, what the story is trying to say. It's it's that, you know, like um, you know, Paul will... Paul will make this a principle later when he says that power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. But this is so obviously true in the beginning, right? Like Adam's power to name is imperfect. It's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to name alone. But it is made perfect in someone to receive the word. And and, and that reflexive reality, I and mean, we're always giving that to each other. And I hope by now it's clear that we are all still children you know, in many to, ways to yeah. one another. That's right, yeah. But the child, and which is obvious, right, because Eve is not a child, like, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of age. Well, maybe. She was one years old. She was like, zero. Maybe less. One day. Zero. <gasps> and we have to think about this one. But <laughs> That's a baby in an adult's body. Wait a minute. It's oh like, oh, no. Oh, no. Adam married a zero-year-old. But he was a zero. He was. So this is just all uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they did you see what i'm saying like they they like it actually enables adam's lordship right to have a view of the world that that cements that naturalizes 
And I think that's what's so fascinating about Christmas. Sorry to take that long detour through Genesis. Is that when the Christ child comes, he condemns the world, right? And he comes at just the right point when the world needs to be condemned. As, as a child who sees that world as the creation. Only now, like when we say that, we must mean it to this infinite degree because that's our creator. Yeah. So it's, it's, so all of Herod's of, stuff, all mm -hmm. of all of Rome's claims to divinity, um, the whole empire in which he's, and then all and then all the the law of the Jewish people, like both are given to the Christ Child who as child perfectly sees them as this is the, like when we talk, I'm sorry, when we talk about Christ redeeming creation, right? This must be like, this must be part of it that he is the one who as child sees it as creation. Here are, here's the world. Here's the names that you've given to things. Here's the structures that you've made. And I've come to redeem that, right? It's not that there's this, it's yeah it's not just like christ has this non-child consciousness inhabiting a child's consciousness i think that seems unlikely <laughs> but that he actually fulfills what all children do like there's a there's a um they observe and they judge yeah and their mm -hmm. and their judgment is of a act of creation their judgment is not of you know some decisions that could be otherwise right yeah, yeah. He sees it and he says, "This is not good." Yeah, yeah. He, but he can he's, he can say it thoroughly, precisely as a child, right? Raised in it. Yep. Um, so what do you have? Yeah. So one thing that I've been thinking about this Christmas season is um, the way in which God takes the idea of enslavement, which you could say yeah. is seeing the equal and rendering to them the unequal, taking him who is equal okay. and, and yeah. giving him something that's not his due Makes sense. Uh, and then, and flipping it on its head. So seeing the unequal yep. and giving them the equal. So you see this in so far as um, I will give to him the throne of Jacob and he shall reign over the house of Jacob. Yeah. He's looking at man and giving him sovereign divine powers. Yeah. And of course, Jesus is God and such, but it is, that is the idea of the child, the, the, the child from the virgin coming up and being being the sovereign mm -hmm. so and there you have this tectonic shift from the from the slave who's the equal receiving what's unequal now god you can say as father turning to the child the unequal and giving him the equal yeah so part of the movement of of seeing and judging creation is saying this whole order is backwards mm -hmm. But it also is kind of an order saying, "You look what you have created. Like, look what you have done. I, I, I observe. I judge. This yeah. is backwards. Yeah, we need to change this. Yeah, where? How does how does slavery come into this understanding of of this providential unfolding of reality? Yeah, I mean, Christ became a slave so that we could be free, right? Mm. And I think that. Um, it's already present in the in the infancy narratives. I mean, the the image is that the kings of the nations come and bow before a child, and so it seems to me like you, you're right. You have that, you have that inversion. Um, but yeah, Christmas sets us free. 
I mean, Christmas is um, Christmas is a time where we give gifts, right? Very makes sense. Seems easy. Um, but that's what a gift is. I mean, what you're describing the 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 giving unequally, or rather the the, the undeserved. Um, the und- I mean, a gift is undeserved. Is all I'm saying, right? So all our gifts are sort of modeled after the gift of God. Seems to me. Is that what you wanted me to say? No, I, mean, well, I didn't want you to say anything. I wanted, me your, I wanted your take. <laughs> beam me, beam me up, Scotty. That's where I, uh, I, th- yeah, I think. Try and put it together. Is that, um, part of the world in which we've that we have received is that we cannot. Is that it has been compromised. Yeah. Like the creation that we have helped to develop and and to make actually um, through the strange providence of God has not gone according to the will of God. Yeah. And that the recreation of Christ still gives that blessed dignity to the decisions that we have wrongfully made. Amazing. And says, all right, you've take you've created this particular, you've made a particular order based upon, of course, the eternal law, the eternal wisdom from which God created everything and said, let me give you a new way of doing this. Yeah, I know. know? I know. I mean, think about Christ's child, Christ's child becomes a king, you know, when, when our whole notion of kingship was perverse, the Christ's child becomes, um, he becomes a priest when our whole notion of priesthood and sacrifice was perverse. Mm -hmm. Um, this seems to be something about saying that Christ became sin, mm. who knew no sin, that contains all of this in a neat little package, yeah, wrapped in a red bow, mm. uh, because Christ is Christ is not the one who um, cr- creates some other human nature, right? He redeems this human nature, mm-hmm. and that means our history. Mm-hmm. That means. Our decisions about sacrifice, our decisions about priesthood, our decisions about kingship, our decisions about power, our decisions about economy. You know, it's like it's he gives it all a new name while retaining its sort of exterior form. I, yeah. So, OK, you mentioned Christ coming as turning over kingship and turning over priesthood. Yeah, I think so. But I think actually turning over prophet is maybe the more interesting thing here, yeah. because if you obviously in the Old Testament, you have prophecies that are made like this will happen Mm -hmm. but it's usually this will happen because you will do this Mm. like there is still some sort of causal relation Mm -hmm. rather than penetrating into a distant void that no one could ever guess Mm -hmm. maybe that happens i guess i mean that certainly happens but it's usually some sort of causal there's some sort of causal link that's preserved within these prophecies Whereas you might look at like Oracle of Delphi and stuff like that. It is just the, you know, that type of prophethood that Christ enters into. And he says, this is the future. That's what's going to happen. There's not going to be a link. And Christ comes as true prophet. Wow, yeah. Declaring how 
our culture is formed, how our societies are formed, and pointing in his finger to the causal reasons why they are the way they are. Yeah. And so he comes and says, this is true prophethood. You need to understand that what you do is not just something that arbitrarily, or excuse me, that, that what the future holds is not something that's arbitrarily just given. Not everything is purely created and handed on, that you are part of creation, yeah. that your decisions are part of this naturalness of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's partly where where we where we can try and draw a link of of Christ coming, creating all things new. This childlikeness that he that he gives, this child observation. What's a good way of saying this? Consciousness is what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit. Yeah, that's a little bit bloated. That feels a little, like a little heavy diaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Christmas once again, and. Um, what are you guys thinking about this Christmas? Are you talking to me? Oh, or the, they're not or listening. The, or the haunting. Uh, yeah, they're haunt, not yeah. responding to us. This is mean. I hope everyone <laughs> read A Christmas Carol. It's great. I think uh, I've been thinking about our critiques of capitalism, our critiques of the various vices associated with money, and I think what we are is Dickensians. Mm, really? From Dickens. Yeah. I mean, every time I read them, like, I'm not talking about his, like, like, expressed views i don't know i don't know how much he did of that um but his spirit do you know that chesterton said that we'll never be able to understand christmas until we've understood dickens sounds like a challenge anyways <laughs> <laughs> but he said that dickens never really understood christmas That's and then we stuff. we need <laughs> and then we need to uh understand christmas to be able to understand dickens and then awesome. he lost me yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand anything he said after that. <laughs> well, it does seem like the what's lovely about Christmas, and one of the reasons children like it so much, is that it allows for just a simplicity of celebration. It's like it's a birthday party, right? That's what Christmas is. And you don't have to really explain Christmas. Um, a lot of the feast days, like it's very important to like get all the steps right, the history of it, etc. But with Christmas, it seems so intuitive. Um, and I think a lot about the Dickensian sort of style of arguing about what's right and what's wrong is, is like that, you know, it's like, um, like Christians need to, I think, recover a sense of just being able to say, um, you know, it's good to take care of widows and orphans. It's bad to, um, you know speculate well i was gonna say it's bad to it's about it's bad to gain without without giving yeah right like things that are things that are obvious on christmas yeah isn't it isn't it funny how our society does three things that are allowed on christmas that are not allowed any other time of the year right giving listening to jazz and being a christian <laughs> and that second one really irks me still <laughs> No, it's great because it's like, uh, right, Christmas is the one time where you can go and proclaim the gospel and no one bats an eye. And maybe that's bad, but there's something really beautiful about it. Like Christmas Carol are almost always the most powerful evangelical words. You think about like, oh, holy night. Um, or you think about, you know, I heard the bell. No, that's not actually that evangelical. I heard the bells. That's just Longfellow? 
can't really remember the lyrics. All right. Anyways, the point is the point is simply that Christmas is the time in which, um, because of the simplicity of the celebration, and because of the great joy that it involves, we are allowed, as it were, to indulge. I think the feelings that would have been very common to an age that was devoted to Christ, to Christendom. But there's a reason that the things we associate with Christmas tend to be medieval things um, that come back up true. for a season and then fade away. It's like we've kind of shoved everything into Christmas, as it were, like, you know, wassailing or something like that. We've spoken about some, some good old wassels before. Um, and I, th- I just think it's like a Christmas mode of thinking, a Christmas mode of arguing. It's to say, like, well, of course... There's no justification for ever stealing. Of course, we should always be generous. Of course, we should give gifts. Of course, you know, like the th- I know a family that on Christmas time, they, they save up money throughout the year, and then they just they just give people cash, like during Christmas time, little envelopes full of cash, and they give them to people, and it's completely like, and it's their Christmas tradition, and it's beautiful. But it's also like, that's just called alms giving. Yeah. Like what you're doing is great, but yeah. it, it, it is not a seasonal event, right? Well, and this is it's so funny that we have this, we do have a seasonal event called Christmas where we hearken back to this, these old Christian ways of doing things. And those within those old Christian times, they had seasons, namely like Bishop, Boy Bishop and Lord of Misrule, where they get a sneak preview of what we were going to do <laughs> now. <laughs> And they say, hey, remember, it's going to be bad when, yeah, yeah. when the when the capitalists yeah, yeah. come, right? And we're like, hey, and, remember, uh, one day it was good. Yeah, and we do the opposite and don't realize that life could just be lived this way, you know? Life could be Christmas. lived like it was always yeah. Christmas. That's not – even our movies are like this. Like people – every every year there's movies where they're always trying to figure out the real meaning of Christmas, right? That's sort of the trope. And, of course, the Christian response is like, well, the, the meaning is Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Of course it is. But <laughs> what what – they all the answers they come up with things like well it's about family it's about love it's about togetherness it's about forgiveness those are all true too right you don't want to knock them just because they're cheesy um but the question is simply why is it that we have a christmas economy as it were i like that christmas economy only at christmas time yeah you know like the things we do for the poor and for children and for charities on christmas are obviously the basic things we're supposed to do to save our souls as Christians. Mm-hmm. And they are also obviously the things that make society happy. If people like Christmas time. Even if you say, well, people are usually depressed at Christmas time, it's because they know they're supposed to be happy that they're so depressed. So the point remains. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not actually engaging in the Christmas economy. Yeah. I think that's that's actually it. It's the same thing as like when um, you're not actually you take the habits and the customs, the rituals that mm-hmm. are uh, of the time without the spirit that comes with it. So yeah, they're just like yeah, dead yeah. rituals. So it's like, oh man, I send out my Christmas cards. I hate doing this. They cost so much. I have talked to that person for years and then I'm not going to give send that one because that will just be another wasted four ninety nine or whatever. And then they send you a card and then you like put on your jacket and like trudge out again with your kids in the car through the icy streets to the post office to give them a card and you're right. just like grumpy because of it yeah it's, it's like because you're doing the ritual without the spirit brah yeah 
Yeah, no, but you're right. As Charlie Brown would say. Yes, some, yeah. I don't know. You, what does he say? Um, something. He just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says something. You said that um, you know, Christmas has a time where we talk to people who we haven't talked to in a while, mm-hmm. um, which is like visiting the sick, almost. Like, I'm thinking about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, which mm-hmm. become norms at Christmas time, even for people that aren't Christian. It's like, well, what do you do? You visit. You visit people that you're supposed to visit. Right? Yeah. You listen and think about Christ. You know that's allowed on Christmas. It's on the radio. If people are listening to the radio, um, you give each other gifts without expectations of returns. Right. So you participate in a gift economy, which is the economy Christ came to give. Right. You say things like it's all about family. Right. You you gather together. You share meals. Right. You live as the Christians did. But it's like a Disneyland for it, right? It's like it's like we're gonna have a, a day or two where you know you feel bad, for instance, if someone is without a family to go home to at Christmas. So you right. even yeah. even people that have no, you know, otherwise Christianity will, will feel that and say, you know, come on over for Christmas dinner, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And it just seems like the 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 problem with the world is that it tells you that Christmas only happens on Christmas. I think it was Chrysostom who says something to the effect of, uh, maybe it wasn't. There's someone, eh, I'm thinking of a poem maybe, but it was something of like, be Christmas in me, was the prayer to Christ. And maybe I'm mixing this up with be Easter in me. But either way, the point is that the feasts of the church, while of course they come seasonally and they give us these moments and these reminders, they are all supposed to habituate us to teach us so that what is taught can flow out of our hearts every day all of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like Christ comes just one time a year. Right. He comes every day. Right. Which is just, the whole paradox. We yeah. Know or what's like happening. Christ is only resurrected on Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He resurrects every day. You yeah. know, I mean, he sacrifices every day. So the ne- representation of the mass. It's supposed to be every day, you know, so next time people ask you, what are the, what's that, what's that new polity, uh, uh, econ- economy idea. Yeah. You just tell them it's the Christmas economy, baby. Christmas every year, right? I love that. Every year? <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I think that does it. All right. We're we're naming the new the new book Christmas Economy. Christmas Economy. I love it. Give it a little tinsel framing on the front cover. I think what we should do is not name the book that and then <laughs> reprint it, sell it on Christmas <gasps> as the Christmas economy subtitle previously named Good Money or whatever we call it. So then we're participating in Americans America's version of consumerist Christmas. Just rebrand it. I love it, baby. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Well, guys, I hope you are having an amazing Christmas with your family. I hope... Also, that you're taking all 12 days of Christmas off. Oh, yeah, you got to. Yeah. You got to take the partridge, the pear tree, the lords, leaping, everything. Yeah. It's yours. Golden rings, steal them if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can do that, we we um, we think that you would have a great time. Extend the Christmas economy as long as you can. Yeah. February 2nd is a long time. You know, get all the practice in as you can. Yeah. Yeah, and thank, and thank God that there's... Uh, such goodness still still left to us, right? Yeah. Man, evangelizing this world is very hard, but come Christmas time, you can do it. Yep. 
All right. God bless everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.